Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 53. Puppy update. Well, I think I guys told you guys last week that they had an adoption event. And so I originally started with five puppies. And then after the event, two were returned to me. I know now that one of the two, um, Emma, she has been adopted. So she'll be going out to her family at the end of the week. And they've gotten plenty of um, applications for little Piglet, or as I call him, Eeyore. And so I think at the end of next week, I'll have them for one more week. Um, By the time you guys hear this, I think they'll be, if not already gone, then, you know, pretty soon they'll be gone. I had the, um, the girl from the organization, animal organization, reach out to me and send me a task text and she said hey I know how much you love little Eeyore and we like to give our fosters first choice so are you interested in adopting him and I took a beat (laughs) and I thought about it and guys I am just I'm not ready I'm not ready to adopt yet it's been a lot of fun having them it's been very hard work it's constant like they do not slow down at all when they're awake um so it's a lot of work and i'm just not ready for that level of commitment uh yet so uh it's gonna be very hard to say goodbye to little eeyore but i know he's gonna go to a loving family um and a family that is more prepared and ready to take on that challenge (laughs) just won't be me um i went on a few dates uh since we last spoke and um i'll tell you more about those later but i will say the most positive thing that came out of it is i broke the one date streak i actually went on two dates with one guy so yay um like i said more on that later TV podcast recommendations. I haven't really watched anything new this week. I've been actually, I've been so busy with the puppies in the evening that I don't really sit down and watch TV. So I've kind of, you know, been re-watching stuff. Um, I started, I told you guys before I was watching The Good Fight because of how much I loved The Good Wife. And so I started watching The Good Wife again. I love that show. That show was so well done. And it's funny because when you compare it to The Good Fight, The Good Fight is good. It's just not as good as The Good Wife. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, they have the same, the writers and same producers, that, you know, and a lot of the same characters and actors. So it should be the same, but it isn't. So... Anyway, I'm I'm enjoying rewatching The Good Wife. It's it's a really good show. I've also been rewatching like old um comedy shows that I used to watch, you know, like like as a kid. I've been watching the Carol Burnett show, guys. <laughs> if you're not a fan of Carol Burnett, okay, fine, don't watch it. But if you grew up watching that show, like I did, my parents had that on a lot, that, and of course, you know, Hee Haw and the Lawrence Welk show. I'm not interested in either one of those, but the Carol Burnett show is so funny. I mean, just classic comedy. I, I'm sure even as I'm saying it, you guys can all picture like 
some skit with Harvey Corman, you know, do it and Tim Conway doing something they shouldn't be doing, (laughs) basically, because their whole thing, Tim Conway's whole thing, he knew how easy it was to break Harvey Corman. So his whole thing was just, I'm not, I'll somewhat stick to the script, but my goal here is just to see how hard and how often I can get Harvey Corman laughing. And of course, it worked every time. Such a great show. Um, Carol Burnett, of course, was uh, able to keep it together more often. So I think Tim Conway probably tried to break her more often, more as a badge of honor type thing. It's so good. I've been enjoying that. I've been watching that in the evening and The Good Wife. So just kind of uh, reliving some of my old favorites. And I do have a new podcast that I'm listening to. It's actually, actually, it's not new. I've talked to you guys about this before. It's called Something Was Wrong. And at that time, I had listened to the first three seasons. And they would do kind of like one story a season. And it's always kind of like... um it's, you know, they, they tell the story, they pick one topic or one subject, and they tell that person's story. And it's usually, you know, related to like trauma or um, abusive relationships and stuff like that. So seasons one, two, and three, even four was, eh, one, two, and three were very good. Four kind of was mm, not so great. I think I stopped listening in five. And then for whatever reason, seasons six, seven, and eight, instead of taking a season and, you know, taking the entire season and talking about one person, they started doing each episode was someone different. And that was okay, but it just was not as good. Season nine, which just came out, there's only two episodes out, they go back to their original format, they tell, they use the entire season to tell one story, I've listened to the first two episodes. It's really good. It's uh, about a girl who was dating a guy. And of course, things are not what they seem with the guy. And they start to fall apart uh, pretty early on. And she's getting signs. She's even getting warnings from her family. And for whatever reason, I mean... Again, I'll say gaslighting, that term's thrown around a lot. But, uh, you know when you start to isolate a person and you play on their emotions, it can be hard to convince that person that the person, you know, someone you love so much maybe doesn't have your best interests at heart. So as I said, I'm only two episodes in, but I'm really liking it. If you started listening to Something Was Wrong on my recommendation and really liked the first few seasons, come back for season nine, because I think it's going to live up to the first three seasons, you know, maybe skip the seasons in between. It's true crime-ish. You know, it's not uh, murdery and gruesome and stuff like that. Um, but it, it it's really good. So and I think that's it. I'm trying. I don't think I have any other podcast recommendations. I'm still reading that book. Uh, I got a little waylaid with the puppies, so I'm not as active reading. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. Uh, We'll see. Oprah had a rule that I live by, which is she gives the book 100 pages. If she's not hooked in the first 100 pages, she just moves on. That's actually, 
it's hard to do for me because once I start something, it's difficult for me to not finish it. But honestly, it just gets to the point where if it feels like you're wasting your time on it, you know, and it, and it feels more like drudgery than, you know, an enjoyable pastime, d just ditch it. So remember that overall, 100 pages. If you're not hooked, if you don't love it, ditch it. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So as I said in my weekly update, I went on a few dates in the last couple of weeks. Um, I went on two dates with one guy, so broke the streak of one-offs one as far as dates. Uh, it didn't work out ultimately, but at least I can say I broke that streak. And then I went on another date just last night with a different guy. So the first guy that I went on the two dates with, um, the first time we met for lunch, and that was fine. There were a couple of things that he said during lunch that was kind of like, uh, but we had, you know, we still kind of, I thought, had a nice time talk, you know, like the conversation was easy. We seemed comfortable with each other. Um, he's a good looking guy. He seemed nice. So, and I told you guys that I was not going to be so quick to write people off, that I was going to, instead of going in with the attitude of, is this the one? Oh, he's definitely not the one. I'm out of here and I never want to see you again. I was going to change that to, is this someone that I'd like to get to know better and spend more time with, you know, just to kind of take the pressure off both of us. And I was kind of leaning more towards that, even though there were a couple of things that old me would have been like, oh, no, I'm out of here. I decided to put those, you know, put my reservations aside, not be so judgy. And he texted me later on that day and he, you know, sent me a text, told me how he had had such a nice time and he wanted to see me again and blah, blah, blah. So we made arrangements um, to have dinner the following night. And we have dinner. And again, there's a couple of things like he is talking about his ex and there were a couple of things there where I was like, I don't know. I don't like the way he's talking about her. I was kind of getting a feeling that maybe there was some unfinished business there, you know, uh, and I wasn't quite sure. Something kind of like just to keep an eye on, you know, but still, again, not enough to be like, oh, I never want to see him again. So then after dinner, it was still pretty early, so we were trying to decide what we were going to do next. And um, we were both actually, the location I picked, um, I was thinking it was halfway between both of us, but it turns out it was halfway for me, but like an hour and a half for him because the location on his profile was incorrect, his, wherever it said he lived. So um, anyway you know, going and like having a drink and stuff was not a good idea because we both had kind of a long ride home. So he suggested putt-putt. So I'm like, okay, I mean, sure. I, I haven't played putt-putt in 20 years, but <laughs> I it sounded fun. I mean, I, I do remember that when I played it, although I was terrible at it, it was still like fun 
It's like the same thing as bowling. I'll go bowling. People don't want to bowl with me because I'm so bad. I'll go, though, and I'll still have fun. Anyway, so we go and we, we know we're, we're playing miniature golf and it's Saturday night and it's still pretty early. So the rest of the people there were like families, you know, families with little kids. So the, the group in front of us was a mom and dad and two little kids. I'm going to guess their ages. I would say they were like four and seven, you know, somewhere around there. And obviously they were taking a long time on the holes, which that's kind of the nature with putt-putt, right? I mean, you, you have to wait. You can't just move from hole to hole. So anyway, I, you have to know that, right, going in, that it's not going to be like a, a smooth transition from hole to hole. You're going to have some waiting. And he was starting to get impatient. And that was starting to annoy me because he wasn't hiding it. I mean, they were just little kids, you know, like the this the they don't care about getting the whole the ball in the hole, you know, they're just having fun. And of course the parents aren't like putting pressure on them because they're just having fun too. So then he started doing this thing where he was like loudly like imitating a, a golf commentator, but as the kids were shooting, you know, taking their turn shooting. <laughs> I am so not a sports person. I don't, swinging? I, what's the term? Putting, I guess. <laughs> I know it's not shooting. Anyway, so as the children were taking their turn, he was, I guess, thought he was being funny and like doing like a golf commentator, but he was doing it loud enough for the parents to hear. And the dad thought he was like making fun of them and it got uncomfortable. And I had to like apologize, you know, for him. And, you know, just tell him like, no, 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 like, take your time, you know, you know, whatever. And I don't like to have to apologize for anyone ever. So I, I was annoyed by that. And then, um, so then we kind of finished up there. But at, at one point, he started to get handsy. And it was like a little bit at first, you know, touching my arm, um, he was rubbing my back, which if I don't know you really, really well, do not rub my back. Guys, listen to me when I tell you, this is one of the skeeviest things you can do to a woman unless you know her really, really well. Do not ever, well, never touch a woman without her permission, you know, or some some sort of understanding or um, established relationship, but never rub a woman's back. It's gross. Anyway, so he starts rubbing my back and I'm getting uncomfortable, but I don't want to make a scene, you know, so I just move away. And then he does like something else and I move away. And at one point, now he keeps making these attempts and I keep trying to, you know, divert. And he at one point kind of was standing behind me and he came up behind me and he put his arms around my waist and he started kissing my neck. And guys, I was done. I, I completely moved away from him. I turned around and I said, what are you doing? 
And he was like, well, I don't know. I was just trying. And I was like, yeah, don't don't do that. I you're making me really uncomfortable. Why? Why? I was just you're you're so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I'm telling you I'm uncomfortable. So please stop. We're I'm not a PDA person. We're surrounded by little kids. It's not appropriate. And on top of all of that, you're making me uncomfortable. And of course, you know, he was like apologizing, you know, whatever. And and then I felt like, okay, I can't be the only woman, right? That you, you know you have to draw the line. You know you have to say, stop, don't do this. You're making me uncomfortable. You don't need to give reasons. Actually, all you have to do is just say stop. But I... I feel like I have to walk this line between drawing the line, setting a limit, and, you know, like when he says, I'm sorry, I immediately say, it's okay. But it wasn't okay. But I don't want to look like a bitch, right? So you have to walk this line between setting your limit and looking like a bitch. And it sucks to have to walk that line. Because as soon as you say it's okay, now you're saying, oh, I'm the one in the wrong here. I'm the oversensitive one. It's okay what you did. It's not okay. Anyway, I just, that was a long off topic tangent. I apologize. Getting back to the date. At the end of Putt Putt, we're driving back to the restaurant so I can take him back to his car and he starts in again. He's like touching my, rubbing my leg in the car and blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, what are you doing? And he said, well, you know, I figured we're together, you know, it's private, the little kids here. And I said, yeah, but I told you already that that made me uncomfortable. I said, listen, we don't even know each other's last names. And that's fine because, you know, we're just getting to know each other. But because we're just getting to know each other, we're not at a point where this is okay. And, you know, again, he apologized and, you know, whatever. At the end, we talked for a few more minutes. I brought him back to his car. And at the end, I think we both knew that there was not going to be a third date. So I, there was, like I said, some other things that kind of kept through the course of the evening. But honestly, what it came down to for me is he did not respect me. I told him he was making me uncomfortable. He didn't pick up my nonverbal cues, so I had to be direct with him. And he, it didn't, he didn't care. You know, he just was only thinking about what he wanted to do. He just kept trying. And I, it annoyed me to the point where it was disrespectful. So no third date. I haven't contacted him. He hasn't reached out to me. And that's fine. So then on to the date from last night. Again, Older guy, 10 years older, he's 60. I, that was fine. I wasn't deterred by that. We went out to a restaurant. We had a, uh, a restaurant that he picked, a very nice restaurant. Dinner was awesome. But the more that we talked, the more I realized that he and I did not share core values. And it was to the point where it, it not only did we not share them, he didn't respect mine. Um, and I think because of the age difference, he talked down to me a lot, um, which <laughs> if anyone knows, 
I do not stand for. Talk down to me once and see what happens. You won't like it. Anyway, he talked down to me quite a bit. And uh, I just thought to myself, yeah, this isn't going to work. And then afterwards, quite on accident after dinner, um, we ran into a group of his friends from high school and that I guess he hasn't seen in many years. And he was very happy to see them. They all were having a great time. I was very uncomfortable. Um, his friends, I don't, they all treated me like a child that they, they made weird comments to me. And it could be, you know, that, I mean, they've known him practically his whole life since high school. Um, I assume they know like his whole history. Maybe they liked his ex-wife. I don't know. Or one of his ex-girlfriends. But a few of the comments they made were really like disparaging. Um, a couple of comments that were directly related to my age, which I guess they thought I was younger than I am. I don't know. Or maybe just too young for him. I don't know. But um, it all came back comes back to the core values thing. I won't be seeing him again because we just, I don't feel like he has any respect for me. But um, going back to the first guy and all the touching and all that stuff. When I was driving home from that date, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, what kind of went wrong here? You know, like, <sighs> I knew I had seen a couple of things on the first date, you know, and I was like, <laughs> there was something that I kept coming back to that I was like, all right, this isn't just an issue with this guy. This is going to be an issue with any guy that I start dating. And it sucks. Having him make those moves on me made me really uncomfortable and not just because I wasn't reciprocating or receptive but also because of where those moves might have led if I had been receptive and reciprocating. I ended my relationship over two years ago and it's not like everything was great when we and then we woke up one day and we were like okay let's end things. So Simple math will tell you that it has been a while since I've had sex with anyone. I've had opportunities, and if I wanted to just have sex, even, you know, just like a one-time whatever, you know, fling thing, I could do that. But just thinking about having sex under any circumstances makes me nervous. But I miss it. I do. I'll admit it, and not just the physical act of sex, but the touching, the closeness, the connection that it creates when it's done right. But the thought of having sex with anyone scares me. It has been so long that I'm afraid that whoever I sleep with next, I'm going to confuse the act of sex with love. And I'm afraid that I won't be able to separate like the, the physical need from the emotional one. And 
you know, I mean, if I'm in a relationship with someone I really like and the relationship is going well, then then that's okay. But if I mistake sex for love, as I have in the past, then I know how painful it's going to realize. It's going to be for me to realize that for them, it was just sex. You know, I'm going into it and I'm thinking, you know, it's something that it isn't. And I am creating an emotional bond by having sex with them. And for them, it's just sex. That's, it's really painful to have that rationalization. And it has been difficult for me in the past to separate the two. I think it's difficult for most women to separate the two. So if that wasn't enough, there are also physiological things that a woman my age has to deal with when it comes to sex. Stuff I hadn't really even considered because I haven't had to, but I'll be forced to to face head on with eventually, I mean, at least I hope I will. For many women over the age of 50, especially for those who have been in a relationship for a long time, sex just isn't a priority anymore. It's time consuming and it's often painful. And with our hormones in flux, desire can be difficult to muster too. Some of, us, some of this has to do with menopause, and some of it is just that other life events start to take precedence. You know, when we're young, you know, our 20s, sex is all we think about. It's how we want to spend our days. But once we reach our 40s and 50s, and we have a career, kids, bills, responsibilities, sex just kind of gets pushed farther and farther down the list of priorities. For me, I was a late bloomer. I, I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 20. I was definitely like the last virgin holdout of my entire friend group by several years, actually. But once I started having sex, I couldn't get enough. Again, it was that 20s sex mentality. Since then, I've had good sex, great sex, okay sex, bad sex, and really bad sex. I'm not saying all this to brag. What I'm saying is, as a woman of my age, I've had pretty much the same sex life as most women my age. But you know what they say about sex. It's like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still good most of the time. I've had relationship sex, one night stands, meaningless sex, adventurous sex, intense emotional connection sex, and purely physical release sex. I've had sex with men that I was in love with and some I barely knew and hope to never see again. Each of these encounters, occurrences, events, I do, encounters, they each had their pluses and minuses, right? I mean, with the amount of sex I've had, some might say, hey, don't be so greedy. You've had your fill. Why do you still want more? Well, because I like sex. I have since the first time I've had it. The ironic part is uh, my current non-existent sex life is that I feel like I finally reached an age where I would enjoy it now more than ever. 
probably because I'm more confident. I would be able to speak up for myself, say what I want, what I don't like, what I love. You know, I, I still have the same hangups that I've always had. I Maybe, you know, it's like when you run out of peanut butter, but all you crave is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. When my marriage ended as difficult as it was, it was also an opportunity to re-engage in my sexuality. I was 40 and single again for the first time in over 18 years, and I was ready to explore. Post-marriage sex was good because for the first time I allowed myself to focus on me and my needs and not his. And I was able to actually tell my partner what I liked, what I didn't, things I wanted to try, and it was amazing and freeing and really empowering. But, you know, not every post-marriage sexual experience was great. But I learned something from each one, even if it was just learning what I didn't like. You know, to carry that pizza analogy a little further, how do you know you hate pineapple on pizza? You have to try it first. But that was almost 10 years ago. I don't know if I have another iteration in me. If you're around my age and you have found your sex life has either dwindled or is completely non-existent, whether you're in a relationship or not, you're not alone. Women 50 and over are finding it increasingly more difficult to have a satisfying sex life. Some of them have just given up completely. They have accepted the inevitable effects of menopause and resigned to live a life without sex which isn't to say they don't experience intimacy with their partners. It's just intimacy in a different form. Having an intimate connection with your partner is way more than just intercourse. Foreplay, touching, kissing, even talking can maintain intimacy and may even be enough to satisfy your sexual desires. About 15 years ago, I used to listen to this um, radio program back home in New York. And once a year, he would cover the topic of sexless relationships. And some people would call in and say they were unhappy about being, you know, in a sexless relationship. But others would say they didn't mind that the sex was gone. It was no longer a priority. And still others would say it was a chosen lifestyle by both people. I would hear them and think like, what? How could you be in a relationship and not have sex and still be happy? And that is until I was in my own sexless relationship. It didn't start out that way, of course. In fact, sex was pretty good in the beginning. But eventually our sex life started to dwindle and then it just completely stopped. And neither one of us really talked about it. And months went by, and there was like no advances from either one of us. And speaking just for myself, I was really nervous to approach the subject because I knew that there were some issues. He was an older guy. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, so I won't go into graphic detail. So he had some difficulties. And I didn't want to make him feel pressured or uncomfortable. And so I didn't say anything. But in the meantime, 
I had definite needs that were not being fulfilled. So knowing how much I like sex, you're probably thinking that I just, you know, jumped out of that relationship as soon as possible. But I didn't because we were so compatible in every other way. We were really good friends. We enjoyed each other's company. We laughed all the time. We had a lot of shared interests. And we just generally liked spending time together because we liked each other as people. And for a long time, that was enough for me. And I figured as I got older that companionship was going to be more important to me than sex. But I was wrong. And in the end, I wanted more than just a comfortable friendship with the man I was dating. So while touching, kissing, and compatibility may be enough for some, I know myself well enough to say, I need more. I know at least that much about myself. But that's another good part of being 50. Because I finally reached an age where I know what I want and I'm no longer willing to settle for less. If a guy is unable to satisfy me and also unwilling to do anything about it, like talk to his doctor, I'm not going to stick around. If I'd be willing to do what I could to satisfy him, I would want nothing less when it comes to my own satisfaction. According to many studies, the average age uh, that a woman starts to awaken sexually is 50. Researchers believe that there are many reasons for this. Usually by now, your children are grown or at least more independent, allowing you more time for yourself. You're probably more established in your career and more financially stable than you were in your 20s and 30s, which relieves a lot of the day-to-day stress. And with more time and less stress, Women in their 50s are finally ready to focus more on themselves and their wants and needs, probably for the first time in their adult lives. And that's all great. But knowing all of that doesn't really help me because I'm torn between wanting to be in an intimate relationship with someone and being afraid to get into an intimate relationship with someone. While doing my research this week, I found an article that said 50s are the new 30s. Um, No, they're not. And thank God for that. Being in your 50s has a lot of benefits over being in your 30s, especially when it comes to dating and love. No longer are we looking to procreate or even marry. Dating in our 50s is more about social and sexual compatibility and companionship. The pressure is off when you're dating in your 50s. We are not uh, the same people that we were in our 30s, and that's a good thing. I think one of the biggest obstacles, of course, for me, when it comes to entering into a sexual relationship with someone, is my body image issues. Weirdly, it helps to know that once a person reaches middle age, this is no longer predominantly a female thing. Women tend to have hangups over like their saggy skin or the extra weight they're carrying around their middle because of menopause. But men over the age of 50, fear not being able to physically satisfy their partner or perform as easily as they did when they were younger. Experts say that the the most important thing is to communicate with your partner, 
talk about your fears and insecurities, both of you, because what was important to us sexually in our 20s and 30s may not be what we're looking for in our 50s and 60s. Maybe in your 30s, having morning sex was considered the best way to start your day. But now that you're in your 50s, the thought of having sex before your coffee or, God forbid, the harsh morning light is enough to keep you abstinent forever. Also, if sex is only something you would consider while in a committed relationship, you need to communicate that as well. Make sure that you're both on the same page when it comes to your expectations. Imagine sleeping with someone assuming that it means the same to them as it does to you, only to find out after that wasn't the case. Save yourself the hurt and embarrassment and talk about it first. And believe me, I get it. Talking about your sexual preferences and expectations is probably not going to be the most comfortable conversation you'll have with your partner. Can't even say it's a romantic conversation. But isn't that better than having an unhappy sex life? Take it from me. It definitely is. By the time you've reached middle age, you've probably, you know, you've paid your sexual dues. A bad sex life doesn't have to be and definitely shouldn't be something that you accept anymore. Another obstacle for me? I am out of practice. And I swear to God, if any one of you say it's just like riding a bike, have you ever tried riding a bike at 50 when you haven't ridden in a while? It's not easy. In fact, some may say it's foolish and maybe a little dangerous. Your body has more and more physical limitations as it ages. No longer are you the sexual acrobat you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. And so this takes me back to, I'm saying I'm afraid to enter a sexual relationship, right? The two guys that I had gone on dates with, the last, last two guys, and actually some of the guys before them, apparently I give a look. I don't know what this look is, but I have had several men tell me that there is some look that I give them that they find very appealing. In fact, the two-date guy sent me a text saying that I gave him a look at the end of the first date that he found irresistible. I don't know what this look is. I wish somebody could tell me. I have a feeling that it might be desperation. If I am advertising something that looks like <laughs> desperation or flirtation or sexual interest. To me, that means subconsciously anyway, I am ready to enter into a sexual relationship. So what is holding me back are all of my overthinking hangups, right? Because what could be more natural than sex? Our bodies are literally built for it. So the bottom line is, there are no rules when it comes to restarting your sex life, but you can set your expectations and guidelines. Rethink your idea of what you consider a sexual relationship. There was a time in your life when the definition of having sex with someone meant only one thing. But as we age, that definition can change. It can broaden. Start by asking yourself what you want. Just a casual encounter to jumpstart the sex life? 
a committed relationship. So this means that you take things really slow. You get to know each other before you take it to the next level. Maybe a little mutually beneficial situationship. Take time to really get to know what you want before you enter into anything with with anyone. I think for me, it's going to require a level of commitment from from my future sexual partner. I don't want to be having sex with someone who is still having sex with other people. So I guess that means if you want to have sex with me, well, then it's going to have to be a monogamous relationship. So now that you've prepared yourself mentally, you know, you've kind of figured out what you want, you've set your standard and your expectations. Now you have to prepare yourself physically, especially if it's been a while. Unfortunately, science tells us that there are certain parts of a woman's body that are definitely, you know, use it or lose it. You have to keep your sex drive alive, even if you're not actually having sex with anyone. I think we're all adults here and you know what I'm talking about, so I won't go into detail. But just as like with anything else related to our bodies, maintaining is always easier than regaining. And remember that there is medicine that can help with a lot of the issues that we face at middle age when it comes to regaining our sex drive. There's no shame in this. Unfortunately, it's all part of aging and it happens to the best of us. So take the help where you can get it. Even though it can be scary to restart your sex life after a long hiatus, there are benefits to being able to do this midlife. Number one, there's no rush. No longer do you have to fit in sex between getting the kids ready for bed and throwing in a load of laundry. You can take your time with each other, which can be extremely erotic. Remember how good the teas used to feel? Number two, you know yourself, probably better now than ever. Men and women 50 and older have gained confidence. They know what they like, they know what they don't like, and they are more likely to ask for it. And also become more sexually adventurous They're more willing to try new things with a partner, which can build trust and deepen the relationship. Number three, better sleep and more consistent sleep patterns. This one is almost enough for me to run out there and just have sex with the next guy. If it means I will sleep better, I'm ready. And number four, having sex on a regular basis makes you look younger. Studies have shown that couples having sex two or more times per week often look up to 10 years younger due to the hormones released during sex. If number three didn't get you, number four should have definitely hooked you. It really is just going to be a matter of when I feel the time and the circumstances are right. But just the fact that I'm considering it is for me a step in the right direction. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 53. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, and follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. The second part, that's the important part. If you have questions or topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlifepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time.
Love you. Bye.